Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Cross Time podcast for our Friday episode for week 17 of the NBA season. I am your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show. Uh, we are coming to you right before, or technically right at the beginning of the All-Star break. Uh, some of the festivities have just begun. Um, one of the big events, the Rising Stars Games, is tipping off in uh, about a couple of hours. So uh, we're getting this in right at the wire. Um, we'll have everything finished and uploaded, uh, hopefully right before the first of those Rising Stars games begins. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about All-Star festivities kind of toward the end of the show, of course, because today we're focused on wrapping up um, the final games before the break, uh, as well as covering the latest news. We'll also do our latest franchise focus this time, uh, talking about the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, we'll talk, you know, fantasy basketball as well, a couple other items. Um, before we get started, of course, quick update. Um mentioned on Monday, still working to recover from some sickness. In fact, you know, frequent listeners of the show are probably sick of hearing about my sickness. Um, and uh, was able to finally go in uh, yesterday. It was actually um, had another doctor's visit, figured out that it might be uh, a bronchitis situation. Um, of, of course, it was two or three weeks ago that it was strep. Um, so I've been on a albuterol inhaler and cough syrup and last night was fortunate to be able to have the best sleep I've had in, you know, a week, at least maybe a couple of weeks actually. Um, so I think this could be, I'm, I'm certainly hoping it's the, um, long-term situation, long-term fix. I'm feeling much better. Um, especially right now at the point of recording, um, shouldn't be inundated with coughing fits as I've been for recent episodes. Um, but crossing our fingers, we're certainly hope, hoping that it's going to stick. Um, but again, that's enough of me. Let's go ahead and jump into our game summaries uh, and key news from the last uh, week or so of NBA action. All right, we're cheating a little bit. Normally, again, it's a five-on-five drill, meaning we pick five games to focus on. This time, we're picking six. Uh, Just want to get that out of the way. But we're starting on Monday night with a bit of an upset victory. The Philadelphia 76ers going into Cleveland to face the nine-win streak uh, or nine-game winning streak holding Cleveland Cavaliers, um, the hottest team in the NBA uh, up to that point outside of the Clippers, and for a time, the Knicks, but the Knicks have faltered in recent games. Uh, but the Sixers, again, Embiid is out, has been out for the last week or two, is out for another few weeks. Uh, no Embiid, no problem. The Sixers uh, end the win streak for the Cavaliers, and they get the win in Cleveland, 123-121. to Your final score, narrow decision for the Sixers. 12 lead changes in this game, very much a back-and-forth and, and, uh, back affair. Um the Sixers had the only double-digit lead late in the game. Um, otherwise, you know, single digits pretty much the whole way. Um, Cleveland did outperform the Sixers in the uh, assist category, but the Sixers were a much better three-point shooting team and a little better free-throw shooting team as well. So some small factors in the favor of the Sixers. Uh, as far as box scores go, let's look at the Cavaliers, first of all. Uh, they were led by Donovan Mitchell, 36 points, six assists, four boards, and three steals. Uh, 
not much more you can ask from him and incredible stat line as well as 14 of 17 from the free throw line. A lot of free throw attempts. Um, he accounted for, uh, what is that? More than 60% of their free throws as a team. Um, outside of Mitchell though, they got 21 from both Darius Garland and Jarrett Allen. Allen also with 10 boards, Evan Mobley with 10 rebounds as well as 14 points, four blocks, two steals, uh, Max Struess, 10 points, four boards, four assists. Um, by the way, Garland had nine assists and then 11 points for Carol Silver off the bench. Um, <clears throat> really not a bad game. Seems like it fit kind of the winning formula they've had in recent weeks. But again, credit to Philadelphia. Uh, six players in double figures. They were led by both Kelly Oubre Jr. and Buddy Heald, each of them with 24 points. Heald with eight assists uh, as well. You shot five of eight from the three-point line, but those two combining for uh, great scoring. And then you got 22 points, nine assists from the all-star, Tyrese Maxey. So those three, uh, great combination uh, of scoring there. They also got 15 off the bench from the re- recent acquisition, Cameron Payne, uh, 13 points, eight boards, two steals, two blocks for Paul Reed, B-Ball Paul, a fan favorite in Philly, doing a good job filling in for uh, you know, the big shoes of Embiid doing the best he can. And then 10 points, eight boards for KJ Martin, uh, Kenny Martin Jr. Starting in this game. So um, good opportunity that for him there. I mean, guys, you know, a couple of the two way guys, Terquavion Smith, Ricky council getting minutes. Um, so a big win for Philly. You know, I think that's big, a good sign for them as far as their postseason aspirations, if they can get wins against tougher teams, Without Embiid, you know, that'll just strengthen the the core around Embiid and some of those younger players, uh, especially guys like Maxi. So I think that's a big win for them against the Cavs. The win streak is over, but now the Cavaliers can just focus on, you know, getting back to winning and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's the first game for Monday night. The other game for Monday we want to talk about um, the Minnesota Timberwolves winning in Los Angeles against the Clippers, 121 to 100, a dominant second half performance. Um, especially important to focus on this because of the Western Conference playoff implications. You know, these are two of the top teams, the very best teams in the Western Conference. So the Timberwolves get this win in this matchup, hugely uh, impressive considering the caliber of team they are playing against in this one. Clippers with a couple brief leads beginning of the third quarter. Otherwise, the Timberwolves uh, led for most of the game, and it was a late third quarter run going into the fourth that really sealed the game. Um, I mean, they they were leading by as, as few as two points, the Timberwolves were, uh, mid-third quarter. By the end of it, they were leading by about 16 or 17. Uh, so a huge run led by as many as 24 in the fourth quarter. Uh, so stellar run to put the game out of reach of the Clippers. For the Clippers, they were led by uh, both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Only 18 points for each of those guys. Uh, Paul George, a little bit better all-around stats. Six boards, three assists. He was two of eight from three-point range, but even with just those two, uh, Paul George now became, uh, well, with that, is that now the Clippers franchise leader in three-point field goals made. So congratulations to Paul George. Um already etching his name into the history books with the Clippers. Um, outside of those guys, they got 17 from James Harden with six assists, uh, 11 for Russell Westbrook, 10 for Amir Coffey off the bench. Uh, and then Avita Zubats had 11 rebounds as well. Um, just not great offensive production, only 40% shooting from the floor as a team, 32% from three-point range. And you compare that to the Timberwolves. Uh, they shot 32% from three as well. 
but they shot 53% from the floor overall as a team. So a big, big difference there. They were led by Carl Anthony Towns, 24 points, and Anthony Edwards, 23 points, eight assists, seven boards. So two all-stars putting in work despite Anthony Edwards, one of 11 from three-point range, a stellar 9% shooting night from three. That's definitely rough, but, uh, you know, still effective. 44% overall from the floor is not terrible. Um, and from the free throw line, Towns and Edwards combined to go, uh, let's see, 13 of 14 from the line. So got the job done there. Yeah, I didn't go Bears 5 of 5 performance. The the trio there went uh, 18 of 19, I believe. Um, yeah, 18 of 19 from the free throw line. So key points there to get those free ones. Uh, makes a big difference. Gobert uh, in the game, 17 points, 11 boards, and four blocks. Uh, then they also got 15 off the bench from Nikhil Alexander-Walker, um, 11 from both Jaden McDaniels and Nas Reed. So Timberwolves still showing uh, good versatility, decent depth, and they get the win against the Clippers in a statement about who's one of the top teams in the Western Conference. When it comes to the other games from Monday night, let's go ahead and start with the Charlotte Hornets winning at home against the Indiana Pacers, 111 to 102. Uh, Miles Bridges, 20 points, 10 boards, overcoming a, a double double from Tyrese Halliburton. The San Antonio Spurs won in Toronto against the Raptors, 122, yeah, 122 to 99, your final. Victor Wenbanyama, one of his best games of his young career. A triple double, not new for him, 27 points, 14 rebounds. But this was 10 blocks made up the third stat of that triple-double. 27 points, 14 boards, 10 blocks. Unbelievable stuff with two three-pointers made in the game as well. Um, Of course, he was in a dozen new statistical categories with that individual performance. Um, In the conversation of names like Hakeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, in terms of particular stat lines, um, seems like this happens a lot with Wemby. And we're going to probably see it much more uh, in the coming days and and months and years. Um, So, yeah, shout out to him. Impressive performance. I I get perplexed looking at the, um, you know, some of the ESPN and or NBA uh, writers discussing leaders in the rookie of the year candidate uh, category. And I don't mean any disrespect to Chet Holmgren because he certainly has been stellar. And when it comes to winning teams, you have to give him that edge because he's been, uh, you know, the second or third best player on a top tier team in the Western Conference. I get all of that. When you're talking about Wembenyama, the stats that he's put up, not just in individual games, but total stats per game, you know, defensively, both sides of the ball. And Holmgren, again, does that as well. But I don't know. Wembenyama has been more impressive uh, to me, he would be a, a favorite a favorite choice to win rookie of the year right now. Um, it is not it's not a huge gap again. I but I I feel like he should have a, a decent hold on the lead ahead of Holmgren and some of the other guys. Um, he's just been phenomenal. But anyways, that's besides the point. Great game for him there. Uh, the Chicago Bulls won in Atlanta against the Hawks, one thirty six to one twenty six. Au Dusomu twenty nine points in that game. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, big win for them at home against the Denver Nuggets, 112 to 95. Uh, Jokic and Giannis trading double doubles. Jokic, 29 points, 12 boards. Not able to overcome Giannis, 36 points, 18 boards. Uh, impressive stuff for both of them, but the Bucks get to win. 
The New Orleans Pelicans won in Memphis against the Grizzlies, 96 to 87, lower scoring game. The Houston Rockets won at home against the New York Knicks, 105 to 103. Um, controversial call at the end uh, with a, a late shot attempt by Aaron Holiday. Foul is called. Um, Holiday goes to the, the foul line, makes the free throws to give the Rockets the lead. Um, and I hope I'm getting the exact you know, particulars of the situation correct. But um, essentially afterwards uh, there was, you know, two minute report. And um, I think it was Ed Malloy, actually one of the officials um, or head, you know, head official of that particular crew that was working that night said the foul shouldn't have been called. Um, And we'll have a news update on this later on, but peculiar situation for now. Uh, Rockets come out with a win. Uh, Clutch performance from Holiday, getting the free throws, tough foul call, um, makes it, you know, an uphill battle in the final seconds for the Knicks, I suppose. Um, final games from that night: the Dallas Mavericks won at home against the Washington Wizards, one twelve to one hundred four. Luca with the triple double. Uh, Golden State Warriors won in Salt Lake City in Utah against the Jazz, one hundred nine to one hundred seven, uh, one twenty nine to one hundred seven. Excuse me. Bigger margin of victory there. Uh, those are the Monday night games. Let's jump through Tuesday's action real quick as well. We didn't have a specific Tuesday game we wanted to go in depth on. Uh, so we'll just run through these real quick. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder won in Orlando against the Magic, 127 to 113. SGA, 32 points in that game, uh, overcoming Palabancaro's double double with points and assists. The Boston Celtics won in Brooklyn against the Nets, 118 to 110. Uh, your final there. Uh, actually, sorry, we got to go back to Thunder Magic. I forgot to mention it was Shaq's jersey retirement that that night. Um, the first player in Magic franchise history to have his jersey retired. Um, and a side note with that, um, Shaq is only the third player in NBA history to have his jersey retired by three different franchises. The other two being Wilt Chamberlain and Pete Maravich. Um, so pretty impressive category to be in there. Um, and of course, well-deserved for Shaq to have his number retired by the Magic. Anyways, that's it for Thunder Magic. Back to Celtics winning in Brooklyn against the Nets, 118-110. to 110. Uh, Jason Tatum with 41 points and 14 rebounds. Very impressive all-around game as the Celtics get the win there. The Miami Heat win in Milwaukee against the Bucks, 123-97. to 97. Bam Adebayo with his second triple-double of the season. And how about a career-high 24 points and five threes for one Nikola Jovic, um, the sophomore and the similar namesake to the Joker, uh, just one letter off, but still big night for him. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves won in Portland against the Trailblazers, 121 to 109. Anthony Edwards was 41 in that game, uh, overcoming DeAndre Ayton's double-double. The Phoenix Suns won at home against the Sacramento Kings, 130 to 125. Uh, those two teams were very close in the seeding. They got a little bit of separation in the standings with that win, uh, despite Demonis Sabonis' huge stat line, 35 points, 18 boards, and 12 assists. Um, the Suns still able to come out with the win, a comeback win. They came back from 36. Uh, well, they came back uh, with a 36 to 15 second half run uh, to to get the lead and then hold on to, to win it. And shout out to Devin Booker. He's now second in uh, Suns franchise history in career points uh, just behind Walter Davis. So phenomenal stuff for the Suns. And finally, the Los Angeles Lakers 
one at home against the Detroit Pistons, 125 to 111, your final score there. So again, that's Tuesday night. We'll jump to Wednesday where we pick back up with a game we wanted to <clears throat> talk more in depth on, and that was the Kings getting back in the win column uh, this time in Denver against the Nuggets. Final score, 102 to 98. Uh, tough, low-scoring game. Um, a narrow, down-to-the-wire win after the Nuggets had big leads in the second and third quarter, double-digit leads for a lot of that. Kings hung tight. They didn't get the lead, get out of hand. Uh, and the Kings were able to take a late lead, especially in the final few minutes, to uh, sort of steal the win. But again, they they hung around the whole game. Um, and, uh, you know, big win to, to come from behind, especially late in the game in that manner. Um, I mean, it was, yeah, 16-point second-half comeback. And this is the second time they've beat the Nuggets in five days. So big wins against a team that you would figure is better than them and should be ahead in the standings right now. Um, but the gap is not as big as you might think. A uh, handful of games. Uh, the Kings, of course, have lost some some games in their own right as well, but they're going to see if they can close that gap. Um, but still, big win for them. For the Nuggets, they were led by Aaron Gordon, actually. 25 points, 15 boards in that game. They also got... 19 for Michael Porter Jr. Uh, Nikola Jokic, 15 points, five boards, eight assists. Uh, 0 of 6 from 3, 35% from the floor. Limited a little bit in this game. Uh, Reggie Jackson starting instead of Jamal Murray, 12 points, nine assists. Um, and that's kind of the big stats for the Nuggets. Meanwhile, for the Kings, De'Aaron Fox, 30 points, eight boards, eight assists, two steals. Demata Sabonis with 20 points, 13 boards, seven assists, and three steals. And then Harrison Barnes with 20 points as well. Those guys combining for 70 even in this game, overcoming uh, the combined best efforts of the the Nuggets uh, for the most part. They got some additional scoring as well to help uh, seal the victory, I guess. So, yeah, big win for Sacramento. And then the other game from Wednesday night we wanted to focus on, a big one, the L.A. Clippers, who were down uh, – as many as 15 in this game uh, stormed back in the fourth quarter, win the game 130 to 125 in golden state against the warriors. A lot of stories here. Of course, this was a rivalry uh, at various points in recent history, perhaps still has, you know, whiffs of that rivalry flavor. Um, and again, they were down 15 in the, in the fourth quarter, even um, <clears throat> early fourth quarter. The Clippers go on a big run. Um, I mean, just crazy stuff. Actually, we started before the game even started. Steph Curry of the Warriors hit a hundred foot somewhere in that range pregame shot. It was from the, the tunnel on the opposite side of the court, launches it, it drains it. You know, we, we know that he makes all sorts of crazy shots, both in game and before game. Um, so that started off. Um, and then during the game, he became the first in NBA history to hit seven plus threes in four straight games. So 28 threes across four games. Um, phenomenal stuff. Uh, it was probably even more than that because I want to say he had eight or nine in one or two of those games. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's unbelievable, continues to set records, continues to impress, um, even as he's been playing for a, a long time now. He's he's still been phenomenal this season, doing his best to carry the Warriors to to success. And again, 
the second quarter, third quarter, the Warriors were the better team, the higher scoring team. They looked like they were the team that could win this game. Um, and they, they were, I mean, for the most part. But then again, fourth quarter run, Clippers down 15. Um, there's a scuffle with, oh, I can't even remember who. It wasn't Draymond this time, which I remember being surprising. I want to say it was Mason Plumley uh, with hard foul on um, Brandon Pajemski, uh, if I remember it correctly. Uh, there was a scuffle that broke out there. Very, very light. Uh, Draymond gave his his two cents, but there was no physical involvement of Draymond. And then Teron Liu got involved that he was the one who got left with the, um, you know, the worst of it. He was ejected from the game. Um, but that was more an automatic ejection because he got his second technical foul. Wasn't, Oh, it's so egregious. Boom. You're ejected from the game. He was, it was a second technical foul. So automatic ejection. Um, there was offsetting technicals. Uh, someone on the, the Warriors was uh, given a tech. And it seemed like it was either during that that situation or or afterwards that the Clippers got motivated and got on the run. In the fourth quarter as a whole, they went 44, or they outscored the Warriors 44 to 28. Um, and that was the difference maker. They were able to to take a late lead and hold on to it. It snapped a five-game winning streak that the Warriors had been uh, building. So good, a great job for the Clippers to be able to get that done uh, in this game. For the Warriors, they had a stellar game from Steph Curry, 41 points, five assists, four boards. He was 9 of 19 from three, so there's an answer there. Um, at least 33s across four games. Um, shooting just under 48% from three in this game. Uh, they got 25 points off the bench from Brandon Pachemski, eight assists, seven boards for him as well. Those two stellar in this game. Outside of that, Clay, 12 points, one of nine from three, uh, 13 points, eight boards, six assists for Jonathan Kaminga, 10 points, four steals for Andrew Wiggins, uh, Draymond with 10 boards, uh, you know, Curry and Pachemski great in this game outside lack some of that production and that maybe bit them towards the end. You look at the Clippers, they were led by James Harden, 26 points, seven assists, eight boards. Uh, Paul George, 24 points, five boards, five assists, two steals, a block. Um, Amir Coffey starting in place of Kawhi Leonard, 14 points. Uh, Ivica Zubats, 13 points, 10 boards, two steals, two blocks, 21 off the bench for Norman Powell, 15 off the bench with six assists for Russell Westbrook. <laughs> excuse me, just the better all-round production and numbers for the Clippers. And they they had the run late. They had the fortitude. They stuck with it. And they got a big win, a statement win against a Warriors team that, again, had been on a big run lately. So big, uh, big, big win for the Clippers there. As far as other games from Wednesday night, uh, the Miami Heat won in Philadelphia against the 76ers, 109 to 104. Uh, at a bio with a double double there. The Orlando Magic won at home against the New York Knicks, 118 to 100. Precious Achiwa with the double double there. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets won at home against the Atlanta Hawks, 122 to 99. First of all, for the Hawks, Trey Young became the first, uh, first place holder in Atlanta's franchise history for career three point makes, finally passing Mookie Blaylock. So, congratulations to Trey. He stands alone, and he has a chance to, if he sticks with Atlanta, 
you know, rack up that lead and, and build quite a lead for himself in their franchise history in threes. Uh, but for the Hornets, the winners of this game, they are three and oh with their new acquisitions. Um, they hadn't won back-to-back games all season until uh, the the previous win before this. They've won three in a row now with you know Curry and Williams. Um, interesting. Will this maintain? It's hard to say. I would lean towards probably not, but you never know. Stranger things have happened. So um, yeah, big win for the Hornets there. Uh, the Indiana Pacers and Pascal Siakam, his return to Toronto to face the Raptors and the Pacers won on the road, 127 to 125 in that game. Scotty Barnes and Tyrese Halliburton, both with double doubles. I was curious to see Siakam, 23 points, seven assists, five boards, very solid game in his return to Toronto. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers won at home against the Chicago Bulls, 108 to 105, getting back in the winning column. They came back from 17 down to win that game. Uh, the Boston Celtics won at home against the Brooklyn Nets, 136 to 86 in that game. A beatdown, 50-point win. The Celtics became the third team in NBA history with multiple 50-point wins in a sing in a single season. Uh, so they've won by 50 uh, at least twice now this season. Only the third team ever to do that. Incredible stuff. They continue to be the best team so far this season. And how about Derek White? Here's a stat for you. He leads the league in net rating. I didn't quite realize that. It makes a lot of sense, of course, with the Celtics having such a, you know, there's a there's a decent gap between them and the rest of the teams in the league. Um, but Derek White is the the best net rating player on the best net rating team, if you will. Uh, so, yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. Very impressive stat. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans won at home against the Washington Wizards, 133 to 126, despite a huge game from Denny Avdia. 43 points, 15 rebounds for him in that game. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies won at home against the Houston Rockets, 121 to 113. Um, Memphis snapped a nine-game losing streak with that win. Uh, with that win, so big one for big win for them. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks won at home against the San Antonio Spurs, 116 to 93. Um, that's the sixth straight win for the Mavericks. Big momentum shift for them. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers won at uh, on the road, excuse me, against the Utah Jazz in Salt Lake City, 138 to 122. Anthony Davis, 37 points, 15 rebounds. A um, couple of notes for them. Roy Hachimura with a career-high 36 points in this game. But also Anthony Davis and Roy Hachimura, the first Lakers duo with 35 or more points for each player since Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. Very impressive stuff. Um, but yeah, the Lakers, this new look starting lineup has been um, a, a positive change for them. They've had some great momentum and they get a win against the Jazz. Uh, the Phoenix Suns won at home against the Detroit Pistons in Monty Williams' return to Phoenix uh, since taking the Detroit job from being after being fired from the Phoenix job. Uh, but the Suns win 116 to 100 in that game. Um, the and uh, well, and that's the other Wednesday games. Finally, on Thursday night, we're talking about two of those three games, starting with the Memphis Grizzlies winning at home against the Milwaukee Bucks, 113 to one to 110. Your final in favor of the Grizzlies. Um, interesting game, 17 lead changes throughout. Um, but the Grizzlies still able to hold on in the end. 
if you're talking box scores for the Bucks, they had 35 points, 12 assists from Giannis and Tenekupo. Only four rebounds for him, surprisingly enough. Um, Damian Lillard, 24 points, seven assists, five boards. 15 off the bench from Bobby Portis. 14 points, 11 boards, four blocks, two steals for Brooke Lopez. Meanwhile, for the Grizzlies, 27 for Zaire Williams starting, as well as Gigi Jackson coming off the bench. Jackson, 6 of 10 from 3. Uh, those six threes are a um, yeah career high. Those six three-pointers are career high for him. Um, they got, let's see, 18 points, 12 boards, 7 assists, 2 steals from Vince Williams Jr., uh, 13 off the bench from Lamar Stevens, 11 points for Jordan Goodwin, the recent acquisition uh, with seven, seven rebounds, and then 10.6 boards for Trey Jemison as well. I mean, there were, uh, of the nine Grizzlies players that played in this game, eight of them had G League experience, uh, G League minutes, and most of those were G League minutes this season as far as players that had played G League minutes. Uh so that was a pretty remarkable stat that I was able to see. Um, and on the Milwaukee side of thing, first of all, the Bucks are three and seven with Doc Rivers. Interesting stat to note. Um, and post game, he was certainly not happy with the production of the Bucks in this game. Uh, quote, we had some guys in Cabo. Um, just felt that they weren't there mentally. The the Bucks are gonna be one of the most interesting teams to watch in the home stretch. Um, because they had been uh, a second or third best team in the Eastern Conference um, record-wise. The the team and, and many around the team felt that they weren't getting uh, near, they weren't nearly as good as they could be with the talent they had. They make the coaching change, and now they've slipped. They're still third in the East, but they're only a game and a half ahead of New York at the moment of recording this. Um, only two games ahead of Philadelphia, who's fifth. So it'll be interesting to see how Milwaukee can utilize their talent and how they'll respond with Coach Rivers following the All-Star break. Um, they're going to be the most interesting team to watch in my mind, or at least one of the most interesting. Um, but for the moment, big loss to um, an inferior Grizzlies team, a shorthanded Grizzlies team. And we'll jump to our final game that we're going more in-depth on, uh, the Golden State Warriors winning in Utah again against the Jazz, 140 to 137, your final score there. Um, man, just what a wild affair. Um, after a brief first quarter lead, the Warriors led for most of this game and they led it big. Um, but the Jazz made a bit of a comeback bid late. Final minutes had a chance to uh, you know, tie the game. They're, they're looking for a good shot. They get it inside to... Um, John Collins, he throws it directly out of bounds, was trying to get it to, to County George on the perimeter, just, you know, launched it into the stands. Um, bit of a perplexing moment for them. Um, but, you know, the, the Warriors had an impressive game. We'll actually start with the Jazz first. As far as box score uh, is considered concerned. Uh, Colin Sexton, huge game. 35 points and nine assists, uh, 12 of 13 from the free throw line, uh, three of eight from three. A great game, but then his backcourt made as well. Keontae George, 33 points, 
six assists and three steals. The rookie had nine three-point makes on 16 attempts. He shot 56% from three. That set um, a Jazz franchise rookie record for threes in a game by a rookie. And also it tied the NBA rookie record. So incredible stuff from Keontae George. It continues to have very impressive moments for the Jazz. Uh, Sexton great as well. They got 20 points, 14 boards from Larry Marginen, and then 18 points, 13 boards from John Collins, 13 points off the bench as well for Jordan Clarkson, who had nine assists. Um, so not a terrible game at all for the Jazz, but the, the Warriors, a little bit better all around. Um, how about Clay Thompson in this game? He came off the bench uh, as they were looking to make a, a, a shift here, but he had 35 points off the bench, shooting seven of 13 from three. Bit of a statement about, hey, I'm still capable of having these type of nights. Um, he also surpassed 15,000 career points during this game. So congratulations for him on that feat. He's the sixth Golden State Warrior uh, or sixth player in Warriors franchise history to, to reach that feat. Um, they had their best first half or best half of any of uh, of any half this season uh, was the first half where they scored 84 points. Um, so they were just really locked in. And again, um, the Jazz did their best to to make it a game after that, but uh, they came up just shy. Bit of a costly turnover by John Collins, kind of closed out the game. And then props to Steve Kerr. He joined Al Adels as the only Warrior coaches with 500 regular season wins. Uh, so that's some pretty elite company to be in. Um, tough loss for Utah, of course, as I mentioned, I'm a Jazz fan, but um, the Warriors were kind of the better team. The Jazz tried to steal a game, couldn't quite happen. And so the Warriors do enter the All-Star break with some positive momentum. And uh, those are the games we wanted to dive in more in depth on. The only other game we had was the Minnesota Timberwolves winning again in Portland against the Trailblazers, uh, 128-91. to With that win, they're 39-16. and They go into the All-Star break with the first uh, spot, the, the top seed, in the Western Conference. This is the first time in franchise history the Timberwolves have gone into the All-Star break being the number one team in the Western Conference. So great note to end on for our game summaries. Real quick, we'll see if we can jump through our key news as well. Plenty of items here, a lot of transactional notes. And again, a lot of this still the aftermath of the trade deadline and you know buyouts and possible moves that contending teams will make to strengthen their lineups. One such team, the Milwaukee Bucks, making a big move. They're finalizing a deal to sign forward Danilo Gallinari. So that will be uh, an addition of some offense and, um, you know, size, a veteran forward. That will certainly help them out, um, I I would think. Um, of course, Defense has been more the concern with Milwaukee, but a good signing for Gallinari to join the Bucks there. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, they're finalizing a deal to sign forward Thaddeus Young. Um, of course, Young has been a forgotten commodity in recent seasons, uh, being with the Toronto Raptors. But when he has a chance to to play, he's had some nice moments. He's an effective player. He's a, a very experienced veteran. I like this move a lot. I think it could help out Phoenix in terms of their their depth, but we'll see how it goes. Um, the Washington Wizards agreed to a contract buyout with guard DeLon Wright. And then cons consequently, the Miami Heat, uh, DeLon Wright is planning to sign 
with the Heat um, to give them some backcourt depth. I think that's a very good move for Miami as well, adding to some some defense and some strong guard play coming off the bench. Then we had some uh, conversion of contracts uh, or some sign, you know, re-signing of guys to standard deals instead of two-way contracts. Uh, firstly, for the Pelicans, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he's getting a two-year deal now with the Pelicans instead of the two-way contract. Uh, for the Trailblazers, center Duop Reith, he is signing a three-year deal. And the Cleveland Cavaliers guard, Craig Porter Jr., rookie guard, is signing a four-year deal. Congratulations to all these guys. These are guys that have been working hard, who got the two-way opportunity to prove themselves uh, with you know G League minutes as well as NBA minutes. And they've earned a, a full-time roster spot with these franchises. Great job to these guys. Certainly well-deserved. Um, next, we have a few uh, fines of note. For the Clippers, head coach Terrell Liu was fined $35,000 for public criticism of officiating and questioning integrity of game officials. Um, I want to say that was maybe during that that Warriors game where he was ejected. Um, hard to say for sure. That would be my guess, though. So. Um, for the Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks, guard Trey Young was fined $35,000 for directing an inappropriate and unprofessional gesture towards an official. Again, these are the, the exact words given by uh, NBA Communications. And then for the LA Clippers, uh, P.J. Tucker fined $75,000 for making a public trade demand. Uh, definitely a bigger fine. Not often you see more than $35,000 or even $50,000. Uh, so definitely notable there. Uh, next, uh, a few injury updates of the New Orleans Pelicans guard Dyson Daniels will be reevaluated in four weeks after surgery on that left meniscus tear uh, for the Miami heat guard. Josh Richardson will be reevaluated in three weeks after suffering a dislocated right shoulder. Definitely want to wish both of them the best as they work to recover from these injuries for the New York Knicks. Um, Update again on that that loss to the Rockets. They are filing a protest to the NBA to dispute that 105 to 103 loss to the Rockets on Monday. Um, again, mentioned that officiating crews admitted that the foul maybe not shouldn't have been called. So now the Knicks are going to take official action towards that result. Um, again, it's been quite some time since a game needed to be replayed, or or at least you know. Final minutes of the game needed to be replayed, but it could happen. They could, um, you know, they could vote in favor of the the protests and replay the game, uh, the contest. It'd be very interesting. So we'll see what happens there. Um, a few r- sad items, perhaps pr- confusing items, if anything. Uh, firstly, for the Detroit Pistons, Isaiah Stewart was arrested for assault Wednesday following a pregame altercation with Phoenix's Drew Eubanks. Um, from what I've seen, uh, of course, they were in Phoenix playing the Suns, uh, the Pistons were, and uh, Isaiah Stewart and Drew Eubanks got into some sort of a an argument, um, you know, back and forth verbally with each other, which then escalated to them being chest-to-chest, face-to-face, and then uh, a punch was thrown by Stewart. Um, hard to say for sure. Of course, the NBA had much more information and resources to go off of um, in in their investigation that I believe they're still determining what the situation would be. 
I imagine some sort of suspension um, could be in play. Um, but for the moment, Stewart was arrested, uh, given a citation, and then released. Um, odd stuff. And a lot of people said that it was kind of unprovoked. Um, definitely no place for, and, and of course, you don't want to see punches thrown really on the court either. But especially pre-game, you haven't even you know really suited up yet, and you're just punching an opponent. Um, no place for that. Definitely. And he's a player I like. So Isaiah Stewart is so definitely, uh, kind of sad to see that happen. Um, and then concerning stuff for, uh, free agent guard, former NBA player, NBA player, Bryn Forbes, uh, he's been arrested on a family violence charge. And this is not the first, um, legal or criminal issue that he's had. Um, confusing stuff. He was a productive player. Um, we'll have to see what happens uh, with this charge or any other charges um, from the past and or present. Um, definitely unsettling in its own way. Uh, for the Charlotte Hornets, the state of North Carolina has dropped three criminal counts against Miles Bridges due to a, quote, lack of sufficient evidence. Um, so I guess, I know in the positive, I'm not sure. Um, you know, it's hard to say that even if there wasn't sufficient evidence that these things definitively did or did not happen. Um, but end result is those charges or those counts are being dropped um, and coincides whether coincidentally or um, causationally with Miles Bridges having some incredible production for the Hornets this year. Um, you don't want to speculate on anything, but the timing is interesting, I suppose. Um, for the Phoenix Suns, they're adding a G League affiliate um, that they will be, um, you know, that will be directly owned by the team. Um, that expands the G League uh, set of teams to 32. There's now one for every NBA franchise, um, plus the G League Ignite and um, the Mexico City franchise as well. So um, interesting stuff, exciting to have. Uh, G League team for now, all 30 NBA teams. I think that's pretty cool to have. Um, finally, a couple of all-star updates for you. Uh, again, as we're kind of going to shift our focus to that in a little bit. Uh, guard forward Amani Bates is going to replace the injured forward Ron Holland on Team Detlef for the Rising Stars game tonight. Um, or Rising Stars games, rather. And then the five slam dunk contest judges have been announced. Those are Dominique Wilkins, Gary Payton, Mitch Richmond, and then a couple of Pacer choices, Fred Jones and Darnell Hillman. Uh, so I think that's a pretty cool panel. Shout out to all of those guys. I'm excited to see how the slam dunk contest goes this year. And that is it for our key news. Again, a ton of stuff we had to cover with, with games and news, um, but that takes care of that. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and shift focus jumping into our franchise focus for this uh this time around the new orleans pelicans franchise focus all right the pelicans uh, the second youngest franchise in the nba depending on how you categorize everything um in terms of total seasons um 
you'd probably say the youngest. Um, of course, the current Charlotte Hornets own uh, the history of the the original Charlotte Hornets um, after the whole name change that was transferred back over to them. So the New Orleans Hornets uh, of the 0203 season, the first year in New Orleans, that becomes the first year of the Pelicans franchise history, 22 seasons. Um, so you would say they're the youngest in that regard. Um, and they've been fairly competitive uh, for the most part. Uh, playoffs a lot of times. Um Last season, just barely missed the playoffs, um, but they're in a good direction. Of course, I've mentioned it in, in recent years. Willie Green, I really like what he has brought to the Pelicans, starting with the 22 season. The Pelicans were a 44% uh, win, you know, win-loss percentage team, 36 wins, 46 losses, a team that you know snuck into the, the play-in tournament or was a lower seed in the play-in tournament was able to win out um, and get into the playoffs and take the the, the first overall seeded Suns to a close series, uh, a clo- closer series than you might think, perhaps, uh, a six-game series against those Suns. Then the next year, they were 42-40, and 40, better record, um, but reverse situation, couldn't make the full playoffs um, in a competitive West Field this season, they're doing even better. They're 33 wins, 22 losses, winning 60% of their games. Um, they're in a great position. And when you look at the team, um, they've got a, a great balance to their roster, and they've got kind of stars at most positions in terms of starting lineup. CJ McCollum as a combo guard now, former all-star, um, or near all-star in his Portland Trailblazers years, but he's now uh, a lead guard looking more to facilitate things and, and get, you know, threes offhand leading scorer Zion Williamson, former number one overall pick 22 points, five boards, five assists, Brandon Ingram, the next scorer up 22, six assists, five boards. Um, you add Herb Jones as the shooting guard for this lineup, 11 points for him, uh, 40% from three. And then, of course, Jonas Valanciunas at center, a perennial overachiever in some senses of it, um, 14 points, nine boards. They've got great balance here. They have scoring, um, rebounding with Valanciunas, and then, you know, uh, Zion to an extent, um, playmaking with McCollum, Zion Ingram, um, defense with Herb Jones and and uh, Ingram a little bit. I mean, I don't know. I like to make up a lot, and then off the bench is where it gets really interesting because I think that they have an underrated uh, bench group, especially with the rookie Jordan Hawkins. You know, I'm pretty high on him and his potential for the future. Uh, just under 10 points a game, shooting 38% from three. They have Dyson Daniels. Again, he's injured right now, but he's a great backup guard. And especially defensively, he's got the size. Um, Trey Murphy, the third versatile forward who can hit threes. He's athletic, can put him in a few different spots. Najee Marshall, physical forward. Larry Nance, veteran big. Jose Alvarado, GTA, one of the 
you know, heart and soul guys of this team. Um, and that's most of the bench group. I feel like this team is deep again, versatile. Um, I like where they're at. Um, of course, at the moment they are in the, let's see, they're all the way up to sixth in the Western conference, a game ahead of Dallas. Um, and they've been picking up momentum lately They're They have a three game win streak. Um, if you're a Pelicans fan, I feel like you've really got to be pretty content with the team, where the team's at. Um, you know, you've had some lean years, um, even with Anthony Davis, where the team just wasn't able to pull things together due to a myriad of reasons. Um, <clears throat> you now have Willie Green, who's been a, you know, kind of an underrated head, co- head coach over the last couple of years. You have talent across the board, young guys, veterans, guys with multiple abilities, a good mix. Um, I like where they're at. They have a, a great chance to be uh, successful. I'm really not sure what they would need to add. Um, I think the big thing for the Pelicans is getting experience, getting Zion to be closer to what he was in all-star type seasons in recent memory. Um, and then they would be, you know, undoubtedly one of the top teams in the Western conference, but they're great, you know, and even this season with all of those, with some question marks, I still wanted to end the current team discussion with this note. Um, with their recent, their, their latest win, they have the best record um, since in franchise history since the 2007 to 2008 team, which is perfect because of course that's the next facet of the franchise focus, our historic team. We're talking about the 0708 new Orleans Hornets, the previous best record team of the franchise up to this point in the season. And this is the best team in their franchise's history um, <clears throat> up to this point. Last time around, I want to say we talked about, the 2018 Pelicans. That was the second best in terms of overall wins. Um, they've had some solid rosters and some solid wins. Actually, it'd be third, third best in terms of overall wins. Um, but this 08 team, 56 wins, 26 losses, was phenomenal. Their first ever division title, one of probably only a couple, if any more than just this one division title. Um, in a Southwest division with San Antonio, Houston, and Dallas, especially in the mid-2000s, mid to late 2000s, those three other teams to win the division title against them. Uh, very, very impressive. With, with um, I'm just, you know, stumbling off my words because, man, to, to win a division title over the Spurs the year after they won, they dominated the championship series against LeBron, they still have Parker, Ginobili, Duncan, uh, Bruce Bowen. I mean, the Houston Rockets with T-Mac and Yao Ming, Dallas with Dirk, and they had recently acquired Jason Kidd. Unbelievable. And then you look at other teams in the West. They finished ahead of Phoenix, um, who still had Steve Nash and had just acquired Shaq. Uh, they finished ahead of the Darren Williams upstart Utah Jazz, uh, the Carmelo Anthony Allen Iverson, Denver Nuggets, they finished the second overall in the Western Conference. And this is one of those seasons that people look back on. This Western Conference race was unbelievable. 
first through eight seed, of course, no play-in tournament long before the play-in tournament became a thing. Your eighth-seeded Denver Nuggets won 50 games. This Western Conference was unbelievably competitive. You look at the, the Eastern Conference in comparison, of course, it was the, the opposite. The eighth-seed Hawks were well below 500. The six-seed Raptors were 41 and 41. So the West really dominated the East this year. Nuggets as a, a eighth seed were had 50 wins. The Hornets took the second seed in the Western Conference this year. This exact year, they were the second team in the West. And you look at the roster, and it starts and ends really with Chris Paul starting to cement his name in a conversation of, you know, all-time point guards. This was the first of those really great seasons. 21 points, 11 and a half assists, nearly three steals. Incredible numbers. Um, he was still young, super athletic, quick, could shoot the ball. The distributor, he did it all. And then David West, still fairly young, coming into his prime, 20 points, nine boards, um, about a block and two assists. As a two-man tandem, they were great, but then Paul had plenty of other guys to assist to with Pages Stiakovic on the perimeter, 16 points, a former Dark Horse MVP candidate Stiakovic was in his Sacramento days. And had 12 points, 12 boards, and a block from Tyson Chandler as he was starting to come into his own as a defensive presence inside. Um, those were really the, the four guys that were the best on this team and that powered it. And then they had a great supporting cast. Morris Peterson, Mo Pete, um, good swing man, uh, could hit the open shot and could grab some boards for you. Uh, didn't play it that many minutes as a starter because they had a decent bench they went fairly deep. Bonzi Wells, a veteran swingman. Bobby Jackson, former sixth man of the year. Great backup point guard. Gennaro Pargo, a younger backup guard. Rasul Butler, bigger swingman. Um, the backup bigs is where it gets a bit thin. Melvin Eli, Hilton Armstrong, uh, Julian Wright. Um, Ryan Bowen, I think, might be in that group as well. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so that was a concern for them, but otherwise this team had a lot of potential and you gave it a couple, you know, gave it more years. They had Chris Anderson, the Birdman, in their deep bench. He could have had a chance to break out and, and fill those roles on the bench. So this team was dominant. They had a great head coach in Byron Scott and they beat the Mavericks in the first round, four games to one and faced the Spurs in the semifinals and played a seven game series. This Hornets team looked like, man, they are on the verge of breaking out. Chris Paul only in his, you know, third season at this point was how old would he have been? 22 years old. Um, the future is bright for the Pelican or for the, the Hornets at that time. Um, just narrowly lost to the Spurs in that seventh game at home. Devastating. Following that year, they went. They won forty nine games again. Um, lost in the first round to the Nuggets. And they redesigned the uniforms. Um, health was a factor. You know, Pajo wasn't as healthy or as productive. Um, Rasul Butler starting instead of Mo Pete. Um, what was okay. Tyson Chandler missed a lot of games. Um, so those were big factors. And then from there. Um, they started making, you know, big changes. There was no more Tyson Chandler. 
Instead, it was a Mecca Okafor. You know, no more. I mean, Page is still there, but again, his production was waning. Um, Paul was there. He missed half the year. Um, It was just kind of story of a lot of teams where they have a breakout year and then factors outside of their control limit them in, in years to come. And eventually it turned into the Chris Paul trade sending him out of new Orleans and they had to start the whole thing over again. Um, it was a bit of a, you know, a shooting star, a, a, a brief glimpse of, of hope and excitement for what, how good and how dominant the Hornets could be and new Orleans could be as a team, but it was a great moment in their franchise and definitely worth looking back on in terms of Chris Paul and his importance to the franchise, David West. Um, you look at their all-time win shares on basketball reference. Chris Paul is still number one out of Anthony Davis by a few. David West, third all-time. Um, Tyson Chandler, seventh. Pedro Siakovic, 11th. So hugely important era in their franchise history. And speaking of win shares, we're going to end up, we're going to wrap up our segment with our legendary player, fifth all-time in franchise win shares for a team that most of the time was not making the playoffs and a team that still had a a greater all-star that got more of the attention. Drew Holiday, of course, played alongside Anthony Davis for pretty much his whole New Orleans run except for the last couple of seasons. He was in New Orleans for seven seasons, had injury troubles, especially early on. But Drew Holiday, I think, gets eternally underrated in terms of how good he has been in his whole career, how great he was towards the end of his New Orleans run. Of course, the impact he had with the Bucks in terms of powering them to their first championship in 50 years. And what he's been able to do with Boston this season as one of the key components of, again, a top team in the league right now. You look at his stats for his his years in New Orleans, Drew Holiday stats, 17.5 points, 7 assists, 1.5 steals, 0.6 blocks, 4 rebounds, um, and percentage-wise, 46% from the floor, 34.5 from 3, and uh, 74 about 78% from the free throw line. Um, But even outside of those stats, very solid, very well-rounded. But even outside of those stats, he has been defensively one of the top players in the league for a while now. And he's been a top teammate and a top sportsman in terms of the NBA and, you know, his... um, his level of play, you know, the respect that that teammates and opposing players have for him um, in, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of rambling a bit. He's just been highly regarded for a long time and, and well, well-deserved. I mean, he got a start, of course, in Philly before all of this um, was one-time all-star with the Sixers, went to New Orleans in a trade for uh, Nerlens Noel. It was actually a draft night trade. Um, and again, in New Orleans, um, 
all defensive team um a couple of seasons uh was not an all-star but was teammate of the year his final season in new orleans um and that was just the beginning of you know he has three teammate of the year awards uh an nba sportsmanship award that he got the following season his first year in milwaukee with the bucks um in 2019 he was uh actually let's see 2018 he was in defensive player of the year voting he finished in the top 10 um Actually, might have been higher than that. Uh, let's see. There's MVP. Oh, yeah, seventh uh, in terms of votes for Defensive Player of the Year in 2018 season. Um, he was got a couple of votes for six man 2016. Um, but just defensively and as a leader, I feel like he's been eternally underrated. And again, a lot of it has to do with the team you're on. You look at the Pelicans run gets a little bit of voting recognition, goes to Milwaukee the past three seasons before this season. Then he was in Milwaukee. He was a one-time All-Star. He was in the Defensive Player of the Year voting every single season, and he was all-defensive first or second team all three of those seasons. You know, it's a wonder what being on a winning team will do for you versus some of these years where you weren't quite on a winning team. But funnily enough, 2018 is most awarded year as a Pelican uh, was the year that they had that great run with Anthony Davis and Marcus Cousins. So, you know, you then make the argument, well, he had AD and Cousins. Yes, but Davis and Cousins together wouldn't have been able to win as many games or even, you know, get to a playoff scenario where they were competitive if they didn't have Drew Holiday leading them and being this multifaceted player to play the point guard or the shooting guard, we've still seen that with Boston. Um, and he's been great, you know, and I'm kind of rambling and don't have much more to add. Um, he's not really a highlight guy. He's not someone you're going to look up, step, you know, the, the video for and be wowed by, man, look at that impressive pass or that, you know, deep three pointer, he's just going to make the right plays and he's going to be defensively very, very stout and very frustrating for the opposing offense. And he's one of my favorites. He's always, you know, under heralded and not getting the respect that he deserves. He's one of the top players in the league um, in terms of total impact, full stop. He's great, you know, and certainly a legend in the Pelicans franchise history. Um, certainly. I think you can easily say that. So that is it for our Pelicans franchise focus. Let's go ahead and move into our next segment real quick, our uh, Fantasy Fridays discussion. All right. I haven't been on the app for a couple of days. I did update my lineups at the beginning of the week. So that I thankfully had um, players actually playing. I didn't realize I'm on a four game win streak. So that's good. Uh, eight and eight record overall at the moment in the league tied for the third best record. It looks like um, again, one of our guys 15 and one at the moment is pretty wild, but um, again, my team has been all right. Um, 
we're talking week to week. Um, are they going to count? How do they do this? Okay. So they are doing two weeks for this one, uh, as we will be doing. And we'll explain that a little bit later. But um, anyways, so yeah, I'm just barely ahead in this week's matchup. Have a chance to see if I can get back to above 500. I'm not sure if I've actually ever been there at this point in the season. Um, or at any point in the season, rather. Um, there's been a lot of moves. Um, Keontae George was recently added, as was Colin Sexton. Uh Jaden Ivey and Cam Thomas have been made available, as has Emmanuel Quickly and Brandon Miller. Might have to make some signings there. Those are some intriguing names. Um, yeah, I don't know. Again, I had recently picked up RJ Barrett and Grayson Allen. I think they've been doing all right, but I'll definitely, during the All-Star festivities, maybe try and take a, a deeper look at my roster um, I'd be curious to see how your guys' rosters are doing. If you want to reach out to us on uh, our social media pages, I'll plug those real quick. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you search crossover across time um, on Twitter, of course, it's X over across time as far as the exact username. Um, but you search crossover across time. You should hopefully be able to find us. Um, we will have uh, with this week's fantasy Fridays movers uh, post. We'll, Ask you know openly, hey, how's your how's your fantasy teams doing? If you want to respond, uh, let us know how your team's doing. Reach out to us there. Give us your uh, you know your take. If your team is is one of the top teams in your league, if you're struggling, you need some answers. Um, and as we've been doing the last you know most of the weeks this season, we have some movers again this week. We're gonna try and help you a little bit. Um, we can't promise you any. Um, surefire results here, but we'll start with the riser Jalen Williams. Um, that's Santa Clara Jalen Williams for the Oklahoma city thunder over the last couple of weeks. Scoring is up big, nearly about six points a game uh, over the last couple of weeks compared to the season uh, along with assists and field goal percentage. Those are up as well. Um, he's taken more definitively that second star or that, you know, next up guy to SGA uh, Chat Holmgren now the third supporting piece a little bit. Um, you know, Thunder continue to do well, and I think Williams is still very, very young. So I like putting him in here because he's shown great potential. He's got great size and strength at that swingman spot, can play the shooting guard or the small forward. I like Williams a lot. I think he's just going to continue to get better. He could be an all-star in a few years, honestly. Um, he's been great, so I have him as a riser. A faller? For my faller and sleeper positions, we're actually talking to Washington Wizards for the same reason, but opposing reasons at the same time. Um, with the Wizards, they were sellers at the trade deadline with Daniel Gafford. Um, they've recently bought out DeLon Wright's contract. Um, the Wizards are not looking to get better. They're looking to unload and to build for the future. And building for the future means that this guy, Kyle Kuzma, doesn't quite fit the picture. Not only that, his production has been down. Um, points, boards, assists, one or two of each of those uh, per game down compared to what he's been doing on the season. And I don't really know if that's going to hold as much. I think it's just going to be a little more volatile, a little more subject to to fluctuation. Um, you know, I'm I'm curious to see this coming off season what he 
decides to do. I know that there was, you know, a post about Kuzma had the opportunity to be traded to the Mavericks as part of the trade deadline maneuvers, um, but talked with the Wizards front office and decided to stay because he wanted to be part of building something with Washington, which I commend and I think it's great. The problem is I don't know if Washington is going to honor that long term in the sense of, well, here's a guy who's already won a championship and is a very productive player. Um, you know, a, a forward a combo forward who can be of value to a lot of teams, but he's a little bit older. Teams like to focus on the timeline, you know, how he fits there is curious. So um, for the wizards, I think it's interesting. I just imagine for Kuzma, he's going to be a little bit more shaky in terms of consistency rather than production. I think he's still going to have good games, but he might have more games where, you know, the front office is saying, let's give some other guys a chance to to play and improve what they're able to do. One of those guys that I'm high on right now is Denny Avia. And it was one or two nice games over the last couple of weeks, maybe a bit of an overreaction um, that contributes to these hugely improved stats over the last couple of weeks. He's scoring uh, more than nine points more per game. Uh, grabbing nearly three boards more per game, shooting nearly 10% better from three. Um, those are huge increases. I definitely don't expect those to hold in that high a volume, but Avdi is only 23 years old. And there's a reason that people were high on him coming into the draft. You know, he's a sizable forward who can shoot from anywhere on the floor. He's got a rebounding touch. He's got abilities. And I think that, again, they're trying to figure out building pieces for the long term, the long haul in Washington. Avdi at 23 years old has a chance to to do that, and he's been getting more and more familiar with the NBA game this whole time. Um, so I like him a lot to um, quell some of the the talk of well, he's underperformed his his draft position and draft positioning rather, and to keep moving up. Um, and so I like Avdi a lot there. So there's a few thoughts on some some draft, uh, some fantasy movers rather. Um, one of them could help out your team. Um, see if you can make a move, make a trade, something. Um, but anyways, those are our takes there. Um, we're going to hold off on our prediction check-in just because we've done a lot of that recently with the trade deadline. We'll come back to it probably next Friday. For the moment, ahead of our weekend forecast, let's cover a quick couple of all-star updates related to the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Wanted to touch on these real quick. Uh, the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame announced the recipients for the 2024 Kurt Gowdy Media Award, um, as well as the John Bunn Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, so this was just today. These were announced. Um, Debbie Antonelli, uh, former LA Times and ESPN, uh, or sorry, uh, an analyst and a play-by-play commentator. Um, J.A. Adande, who's a former L.A. Times and ESPN columnist. Um, Dennis Page of Slam Magazine, as well as the N- NBA Inside Stuff crew as a whole, uh, which I believe is Ahmad Rashad, Grant Hill, and I want to say that's Kristen Ledlow, perhaps. Um, otherwise, they do a great job. Um, those are the Kurt Gowdy Media Award recipients. Um March Mac March Madness executive uh, jo- Joan Scott is recipient of the 2024 John Bunn Lifetime Achievement Award. So, congratulations to all of these individuals. Certainly well deserved. Um, 
they do a great job in all their lines of work. Um, so again, well-earned. Uh, those are the recipients there. And then we also had the uh, 14 finalists announced for the class of 2024, the Naismith Hall of Fame class of 2024. Here are your finalists from the North American Committee. Chauncey Billups, Vince Carter, Michael Cooper, Walter Davis, Bo Ryan, and Charles Smith. Uh, from the Women's Committee, Simone Augustus and Marion Washington. From the Veteran Committee, Dick Barnett and Harley Redden. From the International Committee, Michelle Timms, uh, Michelle, um, or Michelle maybe. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. I do apologize if I did not. Um, Contributors Committee finalists, Doug Collins, Herb Simon, and Jerry West. Um, now, if you're confused about, well, Jerry West, I'm sure he's already been inducted. Yes, he has as a player. That induction would be, uh, this this new finalist and potential induction would be as an executive. Um, yeah, and the same for Doug Collins. He's up for a, a coach slash broadcaster uh, induction. Herb Simon as an owner, uh, former owner of the Indiana Pacers, led them to great success with Reggie Miller, Rick Smith, that whole crew. And then, yes, Jerry West as an executive with not only the Lakers, but the Grizzlies and the Warriors um, a lot of great names. And I think um, there's probably, as there are most years, going to be a couple of names that deserve to get in, but didn't quite get in this year just because of a, you know, a, a full ballot. So they'll have to wait another year or two. Um, but hard to argue with a lot of these names. Um, it'd be great to see Walter Davis get in. Again, all these guys are deserving, but Walter Davis, we mentioned him. He's a Suns franchise leader in scoring. He gets forgotten he played on great teams and was a great scorer um would like to see him get in but again they're all deserving um but just wanted to touch on that before we jump into the weekend forecast which is very brief because again tonight we've got the rising stars games tomorrow saturday is the all-star saturday night that's on tnt at eight o'clock that'll be your uh skills challenge your three-point contest and your slam dunk contest in there as well um, somewhere mixed in with the normal three-point contest is your Steph versus Sabrina three-point shootout. Stephen Curry versus Sabrina Ionescu. Uh, should be very interesting to see how that goes. Then on Sunday, a couple of games. Firstly, your G League next up game. Uh, the top tier players and talent uh, from the G League. And then the All-Star game itself is on TNT at eight o'clock that night. Then of course, Monday, no games. Um, following tonight, Saturdays and Sundays, all-star festivities. We won't have any scheduled NBA games again until Thursday, if I'm uh, correct. Um, yes, Thursday the 22nd will be the return of regular season action. Of course, at that point, we'll be shifting our focus to, okay, how did these teams um, close out the regular season and get themselves primed for the playoffs? So, it's going to be a lot of fun, but for now, let's get our focus shifted to the All-Star Weekend. Enjoy those festivities, uh, festivities rather. We'll wrap up the show so you can do that, uh, starting with our This Day in History fact. Uh, we're going back to 1972, February 16th of 1972. Wilt Chamberlain of the Los Angeles Lakers became the first player in NBA history to reach the 30,000-point mark for his career 
during a 110 to 109 loss to the Phoenix Suns. Chamberlain also passed Bill Russell during the 1971-1972 season to become the NBA's all-time leading rebounder. Great 72 season for the the Lakers as well as Wilt Chamberlain. But great uh you know great fact for today because also along with how they how teams close out the the regular season being a storyline post All-Star break, one more storyline, LeBron James is nearing the 40,000 point mark for his career. That is also going to be a big talking point over the next few weeks since he's within like 130 points. Uh, So we'll be talking about that as well. But otherwise, that is it for today's show. Thank you all again for listening. We really appreciate your support. Um, Again, if you want to check out our social media pages, um, we would greatly appreciate that. Otherwise, uh, that's it for today. We, of course, will not be back until Wednesday where we'll do our all-star recap show. Uh, We'll also have a Thursday bonus franchise focus for the New York Knicks before returning on uh, Friday, the 23rd, for our normal scheduled show, at which point we'll be back on our normal Monday, Wednesday, Friday uh, scheduling. So again, thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you on Wednesday.